Hey guys, thank you so much for stopping by Legend Church's weekly podcast. Just a quick reminder, you can check us out at legendchurch.com, find us on Facebook and Instagram, and Sunday mornings in Madisonville. But hey, without further ado, set the cruise control, start Matt Run, or grab a drink, and let's talk about all things Jesus. Um, uh, before we jump into anything, I do want to mention uh, Lent one more time. Um, <laughs> Lent. Um, so we are a church that participates in this. Uh, it is not my original upbringing. Um, and I know that some of us are in that boat and some of us did have it. Um, it's a really cool um, season that we get to do to prepare for Easter, right? Because well, I don't know if you've ever been to a legend Easter, but it's uh, very inappropriate, more inappropriate than Smash Wednesday. And, um, it's, but it's a celebration. It's very exciting, and there's lots of things that we do. And Lent is our sort of sacrifice to build up to that. Um, so I don't know if you've considered um, doing anything for Lent, but you totally should. Um, a lot of times people give up something. Um, a lot of times people add something. Um, and it can be something as small as, hey, I just want to send an encouraging note to someone, a text to someone every day. I want to read a piece of the Bible every day. Um, but it's something, except for Sundays, you don't have to do Lent, um, but that you're, uh, that you're sacrificing. Um, and I know every year I do something, I usually take on something bigger than I should, and I'll fail at some point. And uh, Mary Beth, um, I used to be an elder here, she one time, one time was like, she was like, oh, how's your Lent going? I was like, ah, I quit. I, I, I didn't do it. I tried and I messed up. And she was like, why don't you just pick it back up again? And I was like, well, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't do it. I already failed it. And she's like, that makes no sense. And her big thing to me, and she said this this day, and I've never forgot it. She's like, anytime you sacrifice, anytime you sacrifice, she's like, I think you're taking on the character of God. Um, and so think about it. What can we do? Can we sacrifice? And for me, adding something to do every day was a bigger sacrifice than taking something away. I'd much rather have less to do every day than have more. But, this, uh, but think about it. Um, and I, I've always wanted to every year uh, somehow like just find out what people are doing so we could just share about it and pray about it because I think it's really cool, um, unless it's something that you don't want anyone to know about, but, um, which happens too. But um, think about that. That's going to be so the Sunday or it starts on Ash Wednesday. So you got a couple, a week and a half or whatever to think about um, Lent and what that means and what we can do um, as, a, as a church body to sacrifice. Anyways, that's just a little PSA. We can get back to um, the normally scheduled sermon. Uh, we are in this series. Uh, we're about to hit the end. Uh, Jason and I usually have about six weeks before we our ADD kicks in. We're like, haven't we been in this one forever? It's like, oh, man, it's only been four weeks. We should go on to the next one. So it's this week and next week, and then we're moving on to something else. Uh, but we've been doing this uh, series about words, uh, that words um, don't really have meanings, but meanings have words. Uh, and there are all these words that are very churchy, and sometimes we grew up with these words, and they've been used to abuse and used for bad things, or sometimes we just don't know what they mean. Uh, and so what we've been doing is taking some pretty common, like, sort of uh, Christian words, looking at how they may have originally been used, maybe how the church has used it uh, throughout history, and then what it means for us today. So this week we are on holy. Um, every week has started so far with, like, a passive-aggressive dig that Jason and I throw at each other, but this week, I didn't have one, 
Because as I was going through holy, I was like, there's nothing about Jason in this, so I can't do that. That was a subtle dig, guys. Kidding. Um, so uh, the story I'm going to tell right now, it is absolutely true with zero exaggeration. I really believe that. And, um, and <laughs> I really believe that. That is a, it's going to seem a little far-fetched, uh, but my parents watch this, and it's mainly about them. And so if they're here, they'll know, like, this is the truth. Um, we, uh, we didn't have, we had really weird car stories. Um, we didn't ever really had a car. For us, a new car meant it was a car that we didn't have the day before, and it's usually, like, 15 to 20 years old. Um, they l- rarely had hubcaps. Sometimes they exploded. Like, we had really weird car stories. And there was this one night, I don't remember all the details because I was little, but my parents um, woke me up or... Uh, it was middle night because I was really tired. This, I remember that. And they're like, hey, we're going to go get this car that your dad has worked out some deal with. And, uh, and we drove to the, I, someone drove us to this place. I think it was like a gas station in the middle of the night. And my dad handed this dude some money. And we got in this new car. I don't remember what the car is. It was 80s, so it was like really big and boxy. That's all I remember. Um, and we got into this car, and we start leaving. And I'm sitting in the back seat and sleep. I'm tired. Um, and so, uh, if you grew up, if you grew up poor, and you had poor cars, you might know that like the ceilings have the like fabric that starts to hang down. And then, if your dad wasn't very crafty, maybe some hot glues here and there. But it was really gross. And then eventually, you just rip the whole thing down. And I don't know if you would know what's underneath that fabric, but it's like this like fuzzy foamy kind of stuff that me and my sister would like write our names in with our fingers and it would fall on you so it would fall on you all the time it was always gross you're in the car and stuff would fall on you and but you just got used to it so I'm in the back seat of this car and we're driving and the ceiling's falling on me I was like oh god this is gross and I go like mom the ceiling's falling this is gross uh, she's like oh it's fine um so I'm going back to sleep and I'm like no 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 it's really like really falling on me and so they stop the car they turn on the light and it is not the ceiling that has fallen on me. It is filled corner to corner with cockroaches that are lining the ceiling, and they're falling on us. So we get out of the car. My mom's like, oh, I'm freaking out. They pop the trunk, and there's just bags of trash that have been in there forever, and the cockroaches have made a family in this room, in this car. And uh, I don't, I think we had the car for a while because I remember we had a, we called it the roach coach forever. Um, <laughs> That was just a really typical day for the Dunn household. But um, what's inside really matters. That's my transition there. <laughs> what's inside really matters. Um, like that? Nailed it. Um, so let's play this. Um, uh, holy or not holy. So I grew up, uh, this whole series has like brought up all these things from my church past, sometimes traumatizing, sometimes just kind of weird. But I grew up in the church um, and this word uh, comes into play a lot. And there were things that, and things and places and people that were holy and some places not. And I always thought it was interesting within the same church building, um, there was holy space and unholy space. So like the sanctuary where we did church, like I couldn't wear a hat, that was the holy. You couldn't run in there. You'd be really respectful in there. Uh, but like two doors down was the youth room where like I made out in. You could like do whatever you want in the youth room, not holy. Um, pews, so the closer they got to the front, the more holy they became. They had, like, name tags on it for or people who paid for the pew. I don't know what they did, give them money. And they were, and, like, the further back is where, like, the teens said, and we could do whatever we want in the back, but the, the closer you get to the front, the more holy. Um, the brass, 
that went around the piano. Like you couldn't touch, if you touched it, you got in big trouble. Someone would yell at you. The brass was holy. You couldn't, you couldn't touch that. Uh, meals. So we would do meals in the fellowship hall. Um, I just realized that this is not a, this must be a Southern Carolina or Virginia thing. We call them linger longers. Do you guys have that? Linger longer. It's like, because it was after church, and you just lingered longer because you ate food. It was linger longer. And like, I'm like, yeah, the other day I was like, hey, we're going to do a linger longer. Like, what? And I'm like, yeah, it's a thing. No one here knows what a linger longer is. Um, but you had a linger longer. You could do whatever you want. Eat food. It was fun. It didn't matter. Um, but on Sunday morning, we had another meal called communion. Very holy. Not the same kind of meal. One's holy. One's not. Um, let's see. Church van. Not holy. Um, Sunday school rooms. I'm, now I'm thinking of all the places I made out. Uh, these are unholy places. Um, the, uh, uh, ad- uh, let's see, adult Sunday school class? Holy. You couldn't go in there. We weren't allowed to go in the adult places, but we could in, like, the kid places. We could do whatever we want. Youth pastor, not holy. Senior pastor, holy. Um, there was, uh, did, does anyone have anything else that's come to mind? I'm just trying to think of things that, like, these you couldn't touch, these you could Anyone grow up in the church? I, um, uh, but there was these things that were just designated as, oh, man, one of my favorite stories, this guy. It's not my story. It's a, a guy told it once, and I've always remembered it. He went, and he was, like, preaching at this old country church, and there was this, like, cloth that they would put over the communion, and you couldn't touch this cloth. He's like, man, people would get really mad if you just did anything with the cloth. And he was trying to fix some things, and he moved the cloth, and people got upset, and he went and asked this older woman at the church, like the oldest person there. And he was like, hey, why, and what's the deal with this cloth? And she's like, well, I don't know why we think it's so holy. She's like, when we were putting the new windows in, flies would get in the grape juice, and we put the cloth over it to get flies off. But now it's become this holy relic, right? Like there's things <laughs> in churches, and there's things that, uh, and there's people, man, we like pastors and elders and priests. And uh, in my church, a lot of it had to do with how much money and influence you had. Like you were more holy, and there's less holy, or things that weren't. And there were always things that were deemed more important, deemed divine, deemed reverent, deemed um, just different than everything else. Um, it's sort of where we get this term, like, holier than thou, right? We'll say that, like, that person's holier than thou. They just feel like they're better, something better. And this word is actually used in the scriptures a lot. It's, a, it's uh, used all the time, and it's an adjective, right? It's always attributed to something. So uh, if we think through, like, our stories, um, Moses comes to the burning bush, and it says, take off your shoes because uh, the ground is holy. So it says it's holy ground. So ground can be holy. Um, there was the uh, holiest of holies. It's where they had the tent and the tabernacle and the temple. It's where, like, the Ark of the Covenant is. It was holy. That's holy space, and there only certain people could go in or get close. Um, a, a good um, sort of metaphor I heard someone use this week was something almost like the sun. The sun is so beautiful and big and bright, and, and it's almost holy, and if you get too close, it's dangerous. Like, that's how holy was sort of treated. Um, the, there was cups and utensils in the scriptures that were holy, uh, and you get to different people were holy. Nations can be holy. Um, a day can be holy. There was the Sabbath day that was holy. Uh, deity was holy in places. And, and in the Christian circle I grew up in, uh, so I've, I've always, I think I always attributed the word holy to something about moral character. Like, oh, you were just better. You're better. You're doing it better. You're doing good. Like, you're holy. 
Uh, and so the word's always been a little intimidating and scary because of that. And there is a little piece of that in there. Uh, so don't abandon that all the way. Um, then I, when I got older and I uh, was in college and I heard uh, someone say, and I've always thought this, like forever, um, that the word holy meant set apart. That's what they say. Oh, it's set apart. It's different. And so you can take that and you're like, okay, that makes sense. Like this ground is different. This day is different. This room is different. We're setting apart. And as we as Christians, we're supposed to be set apart, different from the world, different from the things. Like this is Okay, yeah, I can dig that. Um, we kind of, Christians, especially in the 90s and early 2000s, took it way too far. We had, now there's Christian art and Christian music and Christian songs and Christian clothes, like the witness wear. Um, anyone have that? They had the WWGD bracelets. Dude, witness wear was the bomb. Uh, it didn't say Reese's, it said Jesus. Um, that was the thing. Um, uh, there was, it was like, hey, how set apart can we be? How different from the culture can we be by having our own things? We're set apart, and it makes you feel holy. Like, we're different. This is how we can be like this. Um, if this is our definition of set apart, moral, then we are missing what this word means. Uh, it took a long time for me to come to this because it's always been a very scary word for me. I don't like, uh, clearly, if you've been to lunch, I don't like holy things. It's not my, it, it's, it's, it's intimidating. Um, it seems big. Um, I had this, uh, this, is a, this is not a great story, but it definitely traumatized me more than the roaches. Um, is this youth pastor one time. I was this dumb kid that always had like a camcorder and we made videos all the time. We made this video for like youth group about like, hey, what does it mean to be a Christian? And everyone answered and we played it and it was dumb. But I remember the youth pastor, I went to him and he said this phrase and I don't know why, Phil Sutton, if you're watching this, you are a guy. And um, <laughs> I am not. Uh, the, uh, he was not very nice, but he looked at the camera. And I, I, I actually have this at home on a VHS and I, this week, I was like, how can I get a VHS up here? And I'm sure that someone could have done it, but I didn't feel like doing the mental work for that. And, um, but I have this video because I never remember, and he looks, at, he looks at me, and he's like, well, you know what First Peter says, don't you? And I was like, no, I don't know what First Peter says. Uh, and he's like, well, it says, if you're going to be a Christian, then you need to be holy because God is holy. And he looked right at me, and, I, and not, a, not a, this big thing. He just said this, and I have always remembered it because I remember thinking that day, like a senior in high school, and I remember thinking every day since then, especially if I ever read that, be holy as I am holy in First Peter, uh, I always think, well, that's not, I can't be that. I'm, that's what we're supposed to be? Because I thought, man, holy is perfect. Like, right, God's holy. Uh, man, these holy, like we sing these songs, holy, 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 and uh, that's not, I can't be that. So it was weird to me that in the scriptures it says, well, if you, you need to be that because that's what God is. And I was like, I can't. It's not me. It's this word to me that's always been far away, uh, unattainable, or something I didn't really want to be. That didn't sound good. That didn't sound fun. Um, I don't be holy. Um, so the real verse, though, um, that he thought I knew, which is dumb, uh, was, is 1 Peter 1.15. And it says, uh, just as he who called you, which would be Jesus, just as Jesus called you, just as he is holy, and I'm like, yeah, hey, Jesus is holy, man, that's great. Uh, so, so you should be holy in all you do, because that is as written, be holy as I am holy. Just as he who was called you was holy, then you should be holy. I'm like, okay, well, there it is. Is this really what I've been called to be? If I'm, 
if I'm taking on this mantle of Christian and wanting to be what I, what I think I should be, am I supposed to be holy? The answer is yes, a thousand times yes. Um, but I think it's just been really poorly defined uh, for, for what it is and for what it is. So let's, let's talk about that for a second. So there's um, where it's mentioned in scriptures, like holy ground, right? Holy things. And you have, um, you have the prophets, and the prophets come, and the Isaiah's, the, the big holy is going to be Isaiah. He has this vision, right? He has this vision of God, and he's seeing all these things, and he sees God, and it says, holy, and all these things are crying out to God, holy, holy, holy. It's called like holy, thrice holy, I think, if you're in that tradition. Uh, holy, holy, holy. And then God comes, because holy isn't just like a Jewish term. It's not a religious term. Like all the other cultures in that ancient time, things were holy. Their deities were holy. Their sanctuaries were holy. There were things that were holy. It's not new. And it meant that I can't go there. That is so far away. That is so beyond me because we are so wretched. And it is so great. I can't be there. But something about the Hebrew God is way different than that. Because in this story, he sees God, holy, holy, holy. And that God comes, and that God, and he's like, I'm, I'm unworthy, you're holy, I'm not. And that God says, no, man, and he, and he, and he puts this, and it's a long story, but he puts this uh, coal on his tongue, and he's like, man, it's all, you're fine now. And then Elijah's going to have, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Ezekiel's going to have another story where the temple that's holy is now, it's so holy that water is coming out from it, and it's watering the land, it's going out. So something in this God, and what Isaiah sees is that there's presence. Oh, it's not that God's just holy because he's far away and he's different. He's holy because he's present, and he's present with me. And this temple vision is, oh, it is something that's not just far away, but it's so present and so filled that it's just it's scattering out, right? So it starts, to become, it starts to take on this different thing that the land that Moses stood on where that, when the bush was burning in this story isn't holy because it's been set apart and there's something special about it. It's holy because the presence of God is there. Uh, Things are holy. Cups are holy. Temples are holy. Um, People are holy. Nations are holy because the presence of God is in it. And so what I don't like about the set apart word is that it takes everything away. It's saying there's something taken away. I have to be less or I have to be different. But what holy means is actually completely filled. This is a horrible word, but but I think the best word I come up with this week is sparkle sparkle if you are a holy there is a sparkle um right and you don't like that do you like sparkle i don't like phil um there is something present right so the whole thing is about transcending the human experience right this is what christianity should be every word that we've gone through every week we come and to grow more and more is about transcending transforming the human experience to be the ultimate human experience is what we would say jesus is so jesus comes and he uh is holy and when we look at his life and we looked at how he lived and we looked at how he treated people and we looked at how he treated God and we looked at how he loved, we're like, that is the fullest human you could be. Uh, actually, a better word that other people smarter than me use for holy is abundant, overfilling, full. Uh, and Jesus comes and is that. He is just present. And the, the divine, the all is in this being. And we come and we say, okay, I got to be holy like that. And so for me now, it's changed to where I don't need to be set apart that I'm so different that I'm trying to not be like the world, but that I am so filled with the divine presence. And I am so trying to transcend my human experience that it sets me apart. 
Um, a great example of this um, uh, is uh, Ryan Trahan. Do you guys know this character? I know Archer does. Um, it is a YouTuber, um, uh, and he is, uh, like, super famous. And, uh, I, I, and to be a cool dad, I'll try to watch some of the YouTubers with my kids sometimes, and most of the time I hate everything I'm watching. Um, every now and then there'll be one, but there's this one guy that Archer watches a lot called Ryan Trahan, and I'm like, I love him. I love this guy. He's, so, he's, he's funny, and he does cute things, and he's like this one little kid. Uh, he's like 25, but he... Uh, he, uh, and so anyways, about two weeks ago, Archer's like, hey, you should watch this video. And Ryan Trahan, he's now older and he's done all these things. And he's being interviewed by another famous YouTuber. And I'm like, I don't want to watch two YouTubers talk to each other. But sure, I will watch this because you've asked me to. So we're sitting down and Ryan Trahan, um, sweet boy, uh, he, um, so he starts talking about his life. And he's like at age 19, I made all the money I ever need to make in my life. And I'm like, what? YouTube? Like likes? That's what does it? I don't understand. I don't understand that world. But he's saying, I made all this money. Um, and he's like, and I, uh, he's like, I've always been like anti-religion, and especially anti-Jesus. He's like, with the hate I see and all the things. And he's talking about this. And he's like, Am I, I married this woman. And she, um, she was a Christian. And he's like, I made fun of her. It wasn't, uh, I, I always asked her questions, tried to stump her, and he's like, she always responded to me with love and grace and patience. And he's like, there was a day, and he talks about this day, he's like, where I made the most money I've ever made. And he's like, I'm sitting there, and I have this wife that I love, this partner in my life, and I have this money, and I have all these things. And he's like, we're watching fireworks, and he's like, I should be celebrating something. And he's like, I just felt empty, right? I felt empty. There was nothing there. It's like I knew right then that something's wrong with my life because I should be happy and I'm not. Although I'll take the money any day, right? <laughs> uh, Chris and I had a, we were walking yesterday and she swore she was right about something. I swore I was right about it. And I was like, I bet all the money in our bank account. And she's like, yeah, sure. That's not going to cost us anything. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. So we are not running training. Um, uh, this guy, he's like, uh, he's like, it meant nothing. He's like, I knew at that moment I needed to find God, like something. I needed to find something. So he said, I started looking. And he had this for this millions of viewer YouTube thing, he talks about Jesus, and he talks about it in this way that it was transformative to his life, and brought him joy, and like, and he was not, and he was very Jesus-heavy. I was like, you're a little Jesusier than I am, buddy. Like, you're going for it, and, uh, and, and he's talking, and the other YouTuber then goes, it's good, man. I was like inspired by, I was like, I want what you have too, Ryan Trahan. Like, it was so good, and then the other guy starts talking. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm not really into Christianity either. But, man, I, uh, I know what you're talking about. I, I have experienced it too. And he, and he tries to articulate. And I stop. I stop the video. I hit pause. And I go, Archer. I looked at him. I was like, I just want to point out that one of these guys had something real that he found and could talk about and articulate that inspired us. And the other guy tried for like five minutes I found it too, and he couldn't, there was nothing there to articulate. He was like talking about spirituality and talking about really good things, talking about being moral, talking about trying to be a good guy. But I was like, did you feel it though? Did you feel that one of these things had something uh, and one felt a little empty? Uh, That's holy, I think. That we are called to be people of transcendence out of the normal human experience. I really believe that. And I believe we find it in Jesus. That's why we come here. That's why we call ourselves Christians. 
and we settle, uh, we settle way too much. Um, this quote, I don't know if it's up there, but it might be. Um, this is from C.S. Lewis. This is my favorite quote ever. Um, he writes, he says, It would seem that our Lord, and he's talking about Jesus there, finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. And I think our, our, our churches show that sometimes, that what is this? What are we doing? What, is, this, is this the mundane? Okay, I guess I'm trying to be a better person. Or are we like kids playing with mud when really there's a holiday at the sea there and we don't know about it? because we're not opening ourselves up. And this is what Lent, uh, to bring it back around, this is what Lent is for. This is what, now it makes all the disciplines make sense to me. Oh, I don't just pray or read my Bible or try to do these things because that is going to win me points to get into the afterlife. That's not a thing for us to do. What is a thing is that, oh, now I understand that when I pray, I'm spending more time with that divine presence and it's just making me sparkle more. When I, uh, when I read my Bible, when I read the scriptures, when I read words of other writers who have been inspired, when I sing a song, when I fast, when I do these spiritual disciplines, when I sacrifice, when I take part in these holidays, these things, uh, it's Holy Week isn't now just a week where I guess I just think about God a lot, but it's a week where I am transforming who I am with all these practices to make me this person who was filled with God. And this, man, it takes us into another subject, which is the Holy Spirit, which we don't have time to talk about. But this, this holiness that fills us up. And um, there's another verse of Scripture. Called, it's 1 Peter 3.15. And it says, uh, man, always be ready to defend uh, the joy that you have. And that's, it's always been a weird verse. But then I realized, like, oh, we should be living this life. We as Christians should be living this life that is so filled with the divine presence and so filled with God that everyone else starts asking, like, well, what is this? What do you got? What's going on there? And when we live like that, then, man, we are holy. We are exactly like it is. And we don't do it, man, we do it in pieces. We don't do it all the time. We try. There's good weeks. There's bad weeks. But it is our job to be described as holy. Um, it's why we do what we do. Um, so uh, I'm going to pray for us in a second, and the band's going to come up, and we're going to take communion. The way we do is we make lines, and we come, and we do the bread and juice, and this is a holy sacrament. We don't use the word sacrament, um, but it's this holy thing that the bread itself isn't holy, the juice itself isn't holy, but the act of you being present down here, thinking about, man, Jesus, this is what we do. This is why we're called Christians. And if that life was holy, I can be like that. So as you come down this morning, how, can, how are we transcending our human experience? It is what we're made for, for here and now, to live this abundant life, as uh, the disciple John would say. Um, and my, I, th- th- this is a hard one. A lot of times, when we, especially every week we've had this word, I've been like, man, I'm really acting that out in my life this week. This week I did not. I looked back at my week, I was like, I was everything but this week. It was a hard week. And so I'm looking forward to this next week to be like, how can I 
how can I be that presence? How can I, what do I need to do? What do I need to take away? What do I need to add? How do I need to make sure there's not roaches crawling around in my car? Like how I brought that back. Uh, and so, man, process that, be that, be holy. I'm saying it not like Phil Sutton, that guy. I'm saying it, I hope he's watching. He never would be um, when I'm in friends. Um, uh, man, that was... <laughs> Be holy because, man, Jesus is holy, and he has called us to be like that. So try. That's our goal. Um, I'm going to pray, and we're going to keep rolling. Uh, God, you are. uh, I I forget sometimes. I will go through my day so monotonous or so sad or so thoughtless. I go through my days so many times where I'm stressed uh, or I feel empty. Um, And I know all the time. This week, Lord, I walked outside on Wednesday and the sun was shining. I felt it on my face and I was reminded of how I feel when I'm with you. And Lord, my prayer is for us as a church, us, just this this group, uh, us as individuals, that we are people who not only can feel that and know how to attain it, but can be it so much that the rest of our neighbors and friends and coworkers and outside this community um, see it and say, man, there is something there. Because when we're filled with you, God, there is something there. And when that's gone, we're just trying, we're floundering. So be with us. Give us some weight. Give us some teeth. Give us something to um, sink into this week. Thank you for the Lent season that's coming. Be with us as we sacrifice. Be with us as we think uh, about things that only bring us closer to you. Uh, Thank you for uh, your love. Amen.